0: peterson experience on VSIN, the sports betting network it is our number two of the greg peterson experience right here on v the sports betting network hopefully all of you guys that are not out there on the west coast wind up having yourself a very nice christmas if you're out here on the west coast well you got one more hour left of christmas so Hopefully, you are all making the most of it. Hopefully, you guys wound up having some good meals, some time with family, friends, loved ones. So, hopefully, that was just an absolutely superb day because everyone deserves to have a very nice Christmas. And hopefully, I can make your holiday season a little bit more rosy with being able to pick some winners for you. And our number one touched a lot upon the NBA. We're going to do a little bit of college football here in the final hour once it winds up hitting midnight Pacific time. Going to be really diving into the NFL board that we're going to be seeing for this Sunday and here in the second hour as well. We're going to be giving you some trends that I've noticed in college basketball. Obviously we wound up seeing two games. Unfortunately wind up getting canceled on Christmas day. So the Grinch wound up coming out and stole away half of our college basketball betting board, which I find to be very, very sad, but what are you going to be doing in this day and age? For one, I recognize that there are certainly people out there that have much bigger issues and not being able to watch college basketball games and being able to bet on them because well, that's just the times that we wind up living in right now, unfortunately. So anyone that is dealing with something that is much, much larger than that, you have my thoughts and prayers for sure, because I know that there's been a lot of people dealing with a lot this holiday season, just these last, I'm going to call it what it is, 24 months in general. So hopefully everyone out there is having a good time of just being able to get away when it comes to sports, being able to make put a little bit of money in your pocket as well. So that's what we always aim to do. And We've got to be aiming to touch on a little bit of college football here as I do think that you've got some interesting bowl games that are going to be coming up for the next few days. Now, bowl games, they are going to be on hiatus for Sunday because obviously the NFL reigns supreme. And we did wind up seeing one on Christmas. Georgia State just wound up completely housing Ball State by a count of 51 to 20 if you wound up listening to the nightcap I gave out the over, and we gave out Georgia State, so we went 2-0 on that one. Very happy about that as Georgia State just controlled this game and every single facet of it, and the big reason why I wind up bringing this up is I was talking with Adam Burke a little bit earlier in the week. I was doing the show The Look At, filling in for the wonderful Scott Seidenberg, who has been doing a tremendous job just mixing and matching with the shows here on the network the last few weeks, and he was mentioning the fact that Mac teams have been relatively poor in a lot of these bowl games. And in doing the research, I wound up agreeing with them, wound up firing in on this one. I think that I'm gonna be looking at another Mac fade for Monday as you're gonna have Western Michigan and Nevada doing battle. Right now you're finding Nevada as a seven-point underdog, as sure they open up a six and a half point favorite. And your total on this game is anywhere between 56 and 56.5. It is not very often that you see between a 13 and 14 point line move in a football game. I mean, it doesn't matter what level it is. I mean, it could be the good old XFL. It could be the NFL. It could be college football. I mean, it could be Pop Warner for all I care. You do not wind up seeing a 13 to 14 point line move just on any sort of football game whatsoever. As we know, circumstances are very, very strange for Nevada right now because you wind up having the coaching staff wind up pretty much getting hired on by Colorado State. So you're going to have an interim coaching situation in this one. And with that, Carson Strong, the star quarterback for Nevada, he is not going to be playing in this game. So you're going to have a lot of understudies for Nevada. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to be able to gauge his team. But who's Western Michigan be laying seven points at this rate? I mean, for Nevada, though a lot of the offense is going to be out of the fold, you still have a relatively sturdy defense when it comes to the team. They wound up having one rough week. That was against Air Force. And in that Air Force game, which they wound up giving up 41 points, that was because the game wound up going to triple overtime. When the game wound up wrapping up in regulation, it was 24 to 24. So in games that have wrapped up in, 20, in regulation, 24 points are fewer in each out of the last five. So they've been able to do a rock solid job there. And then you take a look at this Western Michigan team. And I mean, the offense is okay. I mean, you do have a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over very much, and Caleb Ellaby, 21 touchdowns, five interceptions. I think that that certainly counts for something, and you take a look at him down the stretch, five touchdowns in the game against Northern Illinois to be able to wrap up the season, so he's coming in on a little bit of high note. Now, something that does have me a little bit more tepid on Nevada in this one hasn't been enough to push me fully away from this game is that this is a Western Michigan team that they're going to be playing in their home state. The quick lane bowl is one that winds up taking place in Detroit, Michigan at the home of our good friends, the Detroit Lions, so That is something that always comes about a little bit when it comes to this. Meanwhile, got a Nevada team that they have to go from the lovely western part of the country and they have to go to the Midwest for this game, so that does matter, and this is also going to be a body clock game. This is one that winds up taking place 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 11 a.m. Eastern. That is something that you always want to be taking a look at as well because I'm sure that many of you guys wind up doing, like, business trips some of you guys wind up going on vacation what have you hopefully more of you guys are able to go on vacation at this time of year rather than business trips but with that said I'm sure that all of us have had to travel through time zones and it's always in my opinion much easier to go from like the eastern part of the time zone slash the central time zone and having to go west rather than having to go west to east because you wind up losing some sleep now when it comes to Nevada it's not like they're just rolling in overnight or anything like that so Unfortunately, they're going to have a little bit of time to be able to acclimate to their surroundings, but that is always a little bit of a factor, in my opinion, because it doesn't matter who you are, it does wind up affecting you, and keep in mind, these are 18 to 23 year old kids that we're going to be talking about here, I'm not sure about you, but when I was in the ages of 18 to 23, and you told me, hey, you've got to be waking up at 8am, I'd be freaking out a little bit, even though I did wind up having some 8am classics, I wasn't necessarily too awake for them. We will put it that way. I'm sure that my weather and climate professor would agree with me on that. So that is something that you boys got to be taking a little bit of a look at. But when it comes to Nevada, I think that they're going to be up to the task when it comes to this defense. And when it comes to Western Michigan, you are going to be having most of your main players who are going to be out there. You do have one very good star wide receiver in Sky Moore. You want to be checking in on his status as to whether or not he's going to be opting out, because I think that this guy is probably going to be in for some money and in for a little bit of traffic when he winds up coming out. He has a chance to be able to do so, as this was his third year. 91 catches, 1,256 yards, 10 touchdowns. This guy was absolutely incredible for Western Michigan this year, and that's a big thing when it comes to bowl games as well. I mean, we see it time and time again. The fact that in a lot of these bowl games, you wind up seeing a lot of these opt-outs, you wind up seeing guys wind up just not being able to play in general, and it typically comes out at the last minute. Now, with the Carson Strong opt-out, we knew about it very much in advance, which is why we have seen the dramatic line move that we have seen on this game with Nevada opening up right around 6.5 point favorite. Now, Nevada being a 7-point underdog, and it certainly is something that you always want to be paying attention to, but... Sometimes these wind up coming out just minutes before the game, like a game that I wound up betting on a little bit earlier in the week, that North Texas versus Miami of Ohio game. It was absolutely killer that North Texas wound up having a couple opt-outs. I mean, just before the game, that I thought that it was a North Texas team that they were going to be able to run all over them with DeAndre Torre. And DeAndre Torre, hours before the game. Nope, he's not going to be playing in the game, so... And this is very critical. And this really goes for all sports right now. The only sport that I would really recommend betting openers on, betting very, very early, is college basketball. Because as strange as it sounds, college basketball is offering you the most protection right now. Now, when it comes to college basketball, it is a little bit more difficult to be able to find injury and COVID information. Just because you do have HIPAA laws, those are obviously much more stingy when it comes to college students that are not getting paid by the university rather than the NFL, the MLB, NBA, all these professional sports leagues in which they are much more willing to give out this information. So that is always something that you want to be factoring in. But the reason why I say that college basketball is the sport that you want to be betting pre-flop more than any other sport, being able to grab these openers, being able to get in very early, is because typically when we wind up seeing these COVID-19 outbreaks, they just canceled the game. I That is about as good as protection as you're going to be able to get if you wind up having your team that you wind up betting on have five guys that are out due to COVID-19 you're going to get yourself a refund which that's not necessarily the worst protection in the world I mean I actually think that that is relatively solid now if you wind up having one or two star players being out that's the dice the roll of the dice that you wind up taking but I mean that's really in college basketball in general I mean I've had bets where even in non-COVID times, two, three years ago, I wanted up making a bet in 30 minutes before the game. It's like, oh, Player X is suspended. And it's like, great, thanks for telling me right now because I mean, we're just going to be able to find ourselves in those circumstances really no matter what. But when it comes to these college bowl games, when it comes to the NFL especially and the NBA, the reason why I just haven't been able to give out a whole lot with regards to the NBA is because, like I talked about in hour number one, it is a league in which I think it's best being able to bet in-game. But for two as well, when it comes to the NBA, I mean the health and safety protocols when it comes to this league, it certainly has been a little bit herky-jerky. Now, the good news is it's easier to give out NBA players than the NHL because they're currently on an entire COVID pause. So that does cause for a little bit of intrigue there. But when it comes to college football, when it comes to betting on these bowl games, I do think that that is very important. And then motivation as well. I do think that this is going to be an advantage team that is actually going to be very motivated for this game with regards to the guys that are going to be out there. You've got to feel like all these guys on offense are going to be like, hey, you know what? Everyone's counting us out. They think that Carson Strong was the only guy that was able to lead us. How about if we rally around the guys that are going to be here? We know that there's a coaching staff in place that is fully invested in our interests. They are wanting to be able to get their opportunity at the big time as well. Everyone winds up coming together. And, When it comes to the flip side for Western Michigan, there's going to be no shortage of motivation for them as well, because they're going to be playing in their home state. They're going to be seeing friends and loved ones, what have you. They're going to be able to play at Ford Field, which you got to feel like a lot of these guys being more towards the Midwest, this has been a little bit of a dream for them. So I don't think that there's going to be any shortage there. You're able to find more, I guess you could call it lack of motivation spots with teams that are that you thought were going to be in like a new year six bowl that doesn't wind up getting there like i question nc state playing against UCLA in the san diego country credit union holiday bowl rather than a team like a West Virginia who's probably just happy to be in a bowl game in general. So I think that that's very important when it comes to being able to a lot of these bowl games. And when it comes to college basketball, I do think that there are some things that are standing up that we're able to utilize with regards to the data that we have right now to be able to make better against the spread bets. And we're going to be disclosing some of that next right here on VSEN, the Sports Bank Network. Peterson himself on v the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to be able to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn nicotine pouches are smoke free, spit free, and they are available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each one of these flavors, they wind up coming in two strengths. So that way, you can find the satisfaction level that is best for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide that it's never been easier to find your zen. go head over to zen.com slash fine be able to locate a store that is nearest you that is zyn.com slash fine warning this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical As we're back here on the greg peterson experience with myself greg peterson i very nearly said the look out there well i've been doing like three different shows in the last seven days so that would have actually been really really hilarious if i would have screwed up the name Of a show that has my name in the show but it very nearly did wind up happening I wanted being able to avoid it so I feel very good about myself there if you're wondering about what radio slash TV hosts wind up thinking about in their free time well there is one of them right there and something else I wind up thinking about in my free time is what trends are we finding in college basketball that can really get us through the window so I wound up doing some deep dives on a bunch of stats, a bunch of analytics, and I think we've come up with a couple that I think are really fascinating. How about if we take a look at how teams that get a very large slash very low percentage of their points from two-point ranges. Now, this is just the percentage of the points that they wind up getting. Like Florida A&M is at the top of this list. 67.3% of their points wind up coming from made two-point shots. So what this means is that if Florida A&M scores 100 points at a game right around 67-ish of them would wind up coming from made two-point shots. Obviously, you can't wind up having 67 points come from made two-point shots, but that's just pretty much what I'm trying to say in layman's terms. They are currently five and four against the spread. They are number one in all of college basketball with regards to the highest percentage of their shots that wind up coming from two-point range. From there, it gets a little bit more dicey with a lot of these teams. You're going to find that there are a couple teams i have actually been able to do solid for you. Number four, Texas Southern, 64% of their points come from May 2s. They're actually 72 against the spread. Maybe they would do a solid job. Then you've got Cal State Bakersfield, number two on this list. 66.2% of their points come from May 2s. They've covered one game so far this year, 1-5-1. It has been a putrid effort. Kentucky's at 64%. They're five and six, so, I mean, it hasn't necessarily been great, hasn't necessarily been terrible. Talked about with Texas Southern being 72 against the spread from there. Tennessee Tech, they get 62% of their points from May 2's. They're five and six against the spread. New Orleans is relatively respectable at five and four against the spread. They get 62% of their points from May 2's. USC, they have been tremendous. 61.7% of their points wind up coming from May 2's, seven and five against the spread. But then you wind up getting down to some of these teams more in, like, I would say the nine- to 14 range. Alabama AM, 61.3% of their points come from May 2s, 3, 5, and 1 against the spread. American, 60.7% of their points from made 2s, 5 and 7 against the spread. Southern Miss, 60.2% of them, 4 and 7 against the spread. South Florida, with their non cover that we wound up seeing on Christmas, right around 60% of their points come from made 2s, 5 and 8 against the spread. Oregon State, boy oh boy, it has been a calamity with this team. They get 59.8% of their points from two-point range, two and 10 against the spread, and Northwestern State, four and six against the spread, 59.5% of their points from made twos. The big reason why I feel like we see this is because I just don't have a lot of three-point shooting when it comes to a lot of these teams. Now, Kentucky, they've got a little bit more of a tried-and-true mentality in general. This has been a Kentucky team that year in and year out. they've really had a shortage of three-point shooting, and now, We've actually noticed that this is a team that now they've got a couple of good three-point shooters and a lot of these non-covers for Kentucky. They're just because they're laying a bunch of points. So I mean they're a little bit more of an exception to the rule. But when you take a look at a lot of these other teams, like USC has been hellaciously bad at the free throw line. They've actually been able to cover quite a few games, but I think that this is gonna bite them in the butt at some point. They're seven and five. I think that it's built a little bit on sand with regards to against the spread record. I actually think that they're a solid team. And this is a team that they're very good on the interior, which is why you do wind up seeing a lot of these teams in this sort of bucket. You do wind up having like USC, have a guy like an Evan Mobley, who's able to do a tremendous job of being able to hit the glass. You've got a bunch of guards that they aren't able, that they aren't afraid to be able to get their nose dirty. They wind up giving you a bunch of rebounds. But then you take a look at some of these teams, like South Florida. They shoot sub 25% from three-point range. Oregon State has been a bluster team with regards to three-point shooting percentage. Northwestern State, the Demons, they've got absolutely no outside shooting whatsoever. American is a team that has really been dealing with it as well. Meanwhile, these teams that have been able to have success with it, if you notice, I want up naming off five out of these 15 teams that wound up having an above 500 against the, record, against the spread. Three of those teams were in the SWAC. All three of them had winning records. They've got a tried-and-true mentality. These teams that it's not necessarily so tried and true, not so good. Now, you did wind up having one swag team have a losing record against the spread. That'd be Alabama AM. and That's just because, well, Alabama a and not very good. And then what you're going to find from the teams that they rely upon the two-point shot, the fewest, they've actually had some relatively good results. You've got VMI. They've had the lowest percentage of their points from made 2s in all of college basketball, 36.8%. So this means that if they wind up scoring 100 points in a game... You can expect 36.8% of them to come from made 2s. Obviously, you can't wind up having 36.8, but that's pretty much what it's saying right there. They are 3-5-1 against the spread, and they're going to be an outlier when it comes to the rest of this because number two is St. Thomas. Our new friends coming up from the D2 level, they are getting 37.3% of their points from made 2s. 8-3 against the spread. Liberty, they are now five and seven against the spread. They entered into the day against BYU, getting 39.8% of their points from made 2s. I think that this wound up going up a little bit more after the game against BYU. I would need to double check just because the data was not available when I wound up putting this together. But I mean, they're a team that they've been teeter-tottering a little bit, but how about we go Eastern Washington? 39.9% of their points wind up coming from made 2s. That is the fourth lowest in all of college basketball. Seven and three against the spread. Idaho 40.1% of their points from made twos, 72 against the spread. UMass 40.2% of their points from made twos, 6 and 6 against the spread. Oral Roberts 40.6%. You've got Jacksonville State 40.8%. Oral Roberts 6 and 1 against the spread. Jacksonville State 7 and 4 against the spread. Eastern Kentucky 6 and 4 against the spread. 40.8% of their points come from made twos. So these teams are in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball when it comes to points that come from made two-point shots. They've actually been able to do a very good job for you. The reason why a lot of these teams have, for one, very good three-point shooting. The bigger reason why VMI was a cash cow for you last year is because they wanted up having a bunch of guys that could go lights out from three-point range. St. Thomas has been undervalued all season long, and when it comes to St. Thomas, this is a team that winds up throwing at you a new look, so you've got a lot of teams that they just have no idea what's coming when they wind up playing against St. Thomas, so you're able to chalk that up. Now, Liberty... You know what's coming with them. They have not changed their style under Richie McKay the last few years ever since he wound up starting his second tenure there. But you take a look at Eastern Washington, new coaching regime. They've went on a little bit of a different direction so far so good. Idaho has been a doormat of college basketball all season long or has been a doormat of college basketball with the cards of covering really the last four or five years. They have now went in a completely different direction, and that works out for you. And I think that that's really big when it comes to college basketball as well taking a look at these teams that they maybe have a first or second year coach, maybe year number one under that new coach didn't necessarily go their way because of just life in general, COVID-19 list goes on and on. They weren't able to get in the transfers that they necessarily wanted to. Year number two, they got in a little bit more of what they wanted. And because when it comes to the books, putting together their numbers, they take a lot of the previous year or two's data That means that you're able to find yourself a very good advantage with regards to a lot of these teams. Now, UMass is a little bit more of a tried and true team, as you can tell. Six and six against the spread, but with the Royal Robbers, I think that they're intriguing because you know what you're going to be able to get out of them, but they wound up taking a really bad loss at the beginning of the year. They gave up north of 100 points to Colorado State. That meant that a lot of people were out on them, and it's something that I always talk about when it comes to sports handicapping. Do not wind up getting too high or too low based on one result. There are so many people out here when it comes to handicapping any sport, the NFL, college basketball, they're just overreactionary. And the biggest thing that you can do as a handicapper is be able to keep your wits about you, be able to recognize, okay, this was a really bad performance. I wound up losing money on this game, but if I keep betting this, it's actually going to be able to come through for me. This was a little bit of an outlier. This team just wasn't necessarily prepared. It was just a bad matchup in general. I think that that is just so important to do because when you wind up getting just sort of lost in, I'm going to just say lost in the sauce because I can't think of the other thing that I was going to wind up saying, be prisoner of the moment. That's a better way of being able to put it. When you're prisoner of the moment, it is one of these things where you just wind up being a little bit, I guess you could call it jaded. You wind up just being someone that, puts a little bit too much into recency and when you take a look at the long picture that's what you've got to be focusing on when it comes to sports betting i do think that that is so important what is so important as well is trying to be able to make some money on the nfl sunday board and we're actually going to be throwing at you some props next right here on visa the sports betting network Seen Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports betting Network. Sign up for a Play Card debit mastercard and get paid faster than with a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply, subject to card activation and ID verification terms and cost apply card issued by Metabank and a member FDICS. We're back here on the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and we're going to be hitting in the next segment on another college basketball trend that I think is very intriguing, but when it comes to the NFL, we've got to be taking a look at some props for this week. Something I love that DraftKings winds up doing is that they wind up taking a look at games that are going to be the highest scoring and the lowest scoring games for the upcoming weekend. When it comes to the lowest scoring games, these are all via DraftKings, and these are Sunday games and Sunday games only, so... This means that what we wind up seeing on Saturday along with what we wind up seeing on Thursday Night Football and for that matter, the Sunday night or the Monday night football game, these will not be included in this, but odds would be the lowest scoring game of the week. That would be the Jacksonville Jaguars currently leading the way against the New York J-E-T-S Jets. Jets and it's hard to really disagree here. It is currently clocking in at plus 650. So among all the games, you're able to get plus 650 if that winds up having... The lowest amount of points scored. From there, you got a pair of games. They're at seven to one. That would be the Buccaneers, or that would be the Giants versus the Eagles and the Lions versus the Falcons. You got the Broncos versus Raiders at plus seven fifty. Bills versus Patriots are at nine to one. Along with the Buccaneers versus the Panthers, Bears and Seahawks are plus nine fifty. And then from there, Ravens and Bengals are at ten to one. And then if you're looking at the highest scoring games. For this upcoming week. Number one on this list. Is the Rams versus Vikings. At plus five dollars. And then from there. You got Washington football team. At plus six fifty. Steelers and Chiefs. are At plus seven fifty. At eight to one. You've got the Chargers. And the Texans. At nine to one. The Ravens and the Bengals. And then from there. You've got quite a few. Ten to one. And twelve to one shots. Bills versus Patriots. Are ten to one. Along with the Bucks. And the Panthers. And then at twelve to one. You do have the Chicago Bears. And the Seattle Seahawks. And when taking a look at this. I do think that. Things are a little bit out of whack here when it comes to the Chargers and Texans being at 8-1 to one be a highest scoring game just because you have any faith in this Houston Texans offense. I certainly do not. They've been dealing with Brandon Cooks being out of the fold. Let's call it what it is. Tyrod Taylor should not be a starting quarterback in the league right now. And it's unfortunate because I liked Tyrod Taylor when he was with the Bills and they've been able to hang on to him. I felt like he had a little bit of an opportunity and then he was going to the Cleveland Browns then he winds up going to the L.A. Chargers, and he's just become a journeyman. I mean, the reason why he's not a starter in this league, in my opinion, or should not be a starter in this league, is just because he just hasn't been able to find that system that's been right for him ever since leaving Buffalo. So, not necessarily his fault, but it certainly has been rough for the Houston Texans, to say the least, obviously, with having Deshaun Watson on the fold. That completely derailed this team. They've got no run game whatsoever, and you've got a Chargers team that is relatively solid. They themselves have a good defense, in my opinion. It seems like you're going to have a lot of your key pieces out there, but I mean, one of the key pieces that you're not going to be having out there. That would be our good friend, Austin Eckler. Eckler is currently going through health and safety protocols, so he's going to be out of the fold. I talk about Tyrod Taylor, and he's probably not going to be playing in this game because, I mean, it's gotten so bad for the Texans that they're probably going to be throwing out their Davis Mills. So it's been really, really bad to be taking a look at this team just all throughout. And I think that you're going to be having yourself a really, really bad situation when it comes to this Houston Texans offense because regardless of who's been out there for the Texans team, they have not been able to find any tracks what, traction whatsoever. When it comes to the offense, you've got Lane Taylor is going to be out of the fold once again along with Justin Britt. So I am literally three-fifths of the offensive line of the Houston Texans is going to be out. I would not be able to consider them prior scoring game if you're looking at what they are well, with regards to the lowest scoring game at 12 to one I think that there might actually be a little bit of a value play there I think that things would have to go a little bit right to be able to get there on that and when it comes to some of these shorter shots I do think that your best bet when it comes a lowest scoring game that has to be Jaguars versus Jets at plus 650 I mean let's just call it what it is this is a Jaguars team that under under Trevor Lawrence, they have not been able to find anything whatsoever now. When it comes to the coaching staff that is now there for the Jaguars, they're a little bit more invested in his success. They want him to be able to do everything humanly possible to be able to succeed. But I mean, this team has just been derailed by Urban Meyer. We're going to call it what it is. He was a leech, and he just sucked all the life out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wound up being there for the paycheck and the paycheck only. I certainly do hope that the Jaguars are able to get a little bit of their money back. They should have never signed him to start with, but Urban Meyer was a big, giant disaster. That is the only way of being able to put it, and this year is now officially toast for them, and they're going up against the New York Jets team that you just take a look at this team, and boy, oh boy, things are not going well for them to say the least. Now, the only trepidation that I would have with taking this as the lowest scoring game is that you've got a Jets defense that is dealing with all sorts of situations from COVID-19 to injuries. So, I and mean, this is a team in which half the depth chart looks different from what you wound up seeing just a few short weeks ago due to this. So, I and mean, that's the only thing that would be really a holdup for me on this one. But if you're looking for your lowest scoring game of the week, I certainly will be going with that at number one. Now, I don't expect a replay from bills versus Patriots that we wound up seeing a few weeks ago, because the good news is it looks like we're not going to be having like just gale force wins. Like we wound up seeing a few weeks ago. And I think that this is going to be an intriguing one, just because when it comes to the Patriots, you heard it from bill Belichick that they want to being able to mask all the passing, plays that they wound up having drawn up for the game just because of the way that the weather was when these two teams wound up hooking up a few weeks ago in prime time so I do think that there's going to be a lot in the arsenal for the New England Patriots typically I'd like to take a look at these spots and think that there's a little bit of a revenge angle but I think that that might be a little bit different in this scenario what I think is also going to be very intriguing as well is that Lions versus Falcons game because that one at 7-1 to I do think is pretty fairly priced. Now, when it comes to Giants versus Eagles, they're also at 7-1. The only reason why I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger on this for lowest scoring game is because would it surprise you if the Giants wind up giving up 35-plus points in this game? It wouldn't surprise me. This Giants team is just a dumpster fire right now. The defense is going through a bunch of injuries. You've got Jalen Hurts, who's actually really been able to come into his own recently. He's had his ups and his downs as a quarterback, but I actually have not hated what I've seen out of him so far this season. I think that they're going to be able to utilize Boston Scott as well. I feel like he might be one of the most underutilized skill position players in all the NFL. You're dealing with a couple of ailments when it comes to this Philadelphia Phili- or this Philadelphia Eagles run game. So I do think that that is going to be able to help them out a little bit. So I do think that at the 7-1s, you'd be able to get a little bit of better read when it comes to Lions versus Falcons because ever since Calvin Ridley wound up going out for the Atlanta Falcons, it's been a very pedestrian offense you've got an offensive line that does not necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to protect for Matt Ryan so that has been an issue for them as well when it comes to that Bears versus Seahawks game at 950 as well I do think that you've got some pretty rock solid value because Nick Foles is at quarterback with regards to lowest scoring game not high scoring game if you want that as high scoring game you're getting it at 12 to 1 and that's something I would want absolutely no part of whatsoever because When it comes down to the Chicago Bears, what are you going to be able to get out of Nick Foles? I think it's nothing whatsoever. We've seen it. This coaching staff is just a bunch of bumbling buffoons at this point. They are all going to be out of jobs within the next few weeks. It's unfortunate that I have to say that on Christmas, but I'm just stating the facts right now. And then you take a look at the Seattle Seahawks. and Russell Wilson has not been himself ever since returning from injury. He wound up having that solid week against the San Francisco 49ers. And other than that, this team has just not been good to say the least. So... That, I do think, offers a little bit of value. And then when it comes to highest scoring games, I do have to be in lockstep with the Rams versus the Vikings. I do think that at 5-1, to one, that's probably where this should be priced. I don't think that you're getting great value. I don't think that you're getting terrible value because when it comes to the Vikings, this is a bunch of which when they're able to get the ground game set up, They are able to do a solid job. Now, you always want to be checking in on the sadness of Dalvin Cook because I do think that he is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He is going to be out for this week. So that is very key because it just feels like Dalvin Cook winds up Mitch's right around four to five games a year. So the good news is Alexander Madison, he has been able to have a little bit of reps. He's been able to have some time with this offense and he's a relatively solid running back in and of its own right, but that would be a little bit of trepidation that I would wind up having with taking this one. And the Vikings defense, they have been able to play a little bit better in recent weeks. I know that Mike Zimmer has let this group slip up, really, in the last 24 months in general, dating back to the beginning of last season, but and it's still an okay group. When it comes to the highest scoring game, though, I certainly do think that if you're looking for a little bit more of an interesting read on this one, I when it comes to the Ravens versus the Bengals, that is a game. That I don't understand why it's nine to one at this point. I think that that is just absolutely terrible, but I mean, at 13 to one, I don't think that the Broncos versus the Raiders will be the worst sprinkle opportunity here. When it comes to Raiders, this defense has not necessarily been that good. Now I recognize that Derek Waller, most likely going to be out with injury whatsoever. Or once again, he has been listed as doubtful for the Raiders. So I mean, he has been up against it, but Derek Carr, is in my opinion a relatively solid quarterback i think that they're going to be able to do an okay job of being able to set up the run game it's a raiders team that has not been able to guard against anything whatsoever and even though you've got a little bit of an understudy in there in drew lock i do like the way that drew lock wound up looking in the relief that he wound up giving last week he's a guy that knows what it takes to be a starting quarterback so i think that you've got a little bit of value there and when it comes to finding value in college basketball I'm going to talk about how offensive rebound rate leads to cover rate. That is up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSON schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Check out replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to slash podcast and get beating the book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi line, Follow the Money, something called Costco Zoops with. Some guy by the name of Dragoops Peterson and many more. They are all free and available now at BSyn.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast says. It is a great Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and have no fear, even though we don't have any college basketball games for Sunday, I'm still giving you guys a podcast that will be up in 14 minutes and 15 seconds. But who in the heck is counting? So you've always got that. I think I'm up to like 775 straight days without a lot of missed podcast. I'll need to go back and double check, but we are somewhere in that neighborhood. So I will be going through and doing that podcast every single day until I am pretty much pushed off the mound and I am told that you can't upload podcasts anymore. So I've always got you guys covered there because I do love college basketball, which is why I've been trying to give you guys some betting angles here now that we just call, we'll call it what it is. We have no games for college basketball on Sunday we've got one game on Monday and then things are going to be much more normalized on Tuesday obviously we've had a couple cancellations and postponements knock on whatever this is that these are able to reduce this is actually marbles this is not wood but it's marble hopefully that brings a little bit of good luck that we can get in as many games as humanly possible guys are able to test negative and we're just able to have everything be good in general but when it comes to college basketball what I've been finding is that there's a relatively high correlation with regards to offensive rebound rate, along with teams being able to cover. This is just taking a look at the percentage of shots that a team misses that winds up resulting in an offensive rebound and a second chance. So your number one team in all of college basketball is Kentucky. They rebound 43.8% of their misses, which is really impressive. That's because they've got a guy by the name of Oscar Sheboy, who's been able to do a solid job. They're actually going to be the outlier on this one. They're currently five and six against the spread among your Top nine teams in college basketball with regards to offensive rebound rate. They are the only one that is sub-500 against the spread. From there, TCU, 40.9%. I think that that is relatively surprising considering the fact that Kevin Samuel is now over there at Dunk City, a.k.a. Florida Gulf Coast. they went won 5-4-2 against the spread. Illinois is number three. They are 6-6 six six against the spread, so they're not making you money. They're not really losing you money, as we know. Kofi Coburn is out there in the fold. there at 40.7% in. You did wind up having a couple non covers when Kofi Coburn was out there as well, or was not out there as well. So, I do think that that plays a little bit of a factor into this. If you wind up having it with Kofi Coburn, I think that he's five and four against the spread. I would need to double check that, but I do think that Illinois has been a little bit better cover team whenever he's been out there. From there, you've got Purdue, who has just been a juggernaut on the glass. They rebound 39.6% of their misses. They're 7-5 and five against the spread. Texas Tech, they're 6-5 against the spread. They get an offensive board on 38.8% of their misses. Baylor, with regards to offensive rebound rate, 38.2% of their missed shots, wind resulting in an offensive rebound. They are a whopping 8-2-1 and one against the spread. Grand Canyon, they get 38.1% of their misses, 6-4 against the spread. We're going to get into Houston a little bit later because you've got a very fascinating circumstance with this team. I'm going to tell you why they're still so going to be a relatively good bet on team. They're nine and four against the spread. 37.6% of their misses wind up getting rebounded. And then at 37.4%, Arizona, eight, three, and one against the spread. And I mentioned it with Houston. If you want missing it, it's totally understandable because, well, there's been a lot that has been going on with regards to holiday season, but they're pretty much down. Their top two scorers now. Marcus Sasser, who was leading the team in scoring, it was announced on Christmas Eve that he is done for the season. He has suffered a season-ending injury, so that is going to be really rough for them. You also are going to be now without Trayvon Mark as well. He's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, and on top of that, you do have Taze Moore, who has been in and out of the fold for the team. We wanted missing the team's last game against Texas State, but I just mentioned their offensive rebound rate. And how big that is for them. And I still think that they're going to be a good bet on team. Because you take a look at players not named Marcus Sasser. Their next three scores all give you between 4.8 and 5.7 rebounds per game. This is a good rebound by committee team. And the way that Houston winds up doing this is. They don't allow you to be able to get into the paint in general. They just play such good tenacious defense. They wind up forcing you you into shots outside the paint. So they are the only ones there to be able to collect rebounds. The only way that a lot of teams wind up getting second chances is if the ball winds up taking just this really awkward bounce off of the, like, back iron or something like that, winds up shooting up, like, 50 feet in the air, and then it's like, oh, boy, it just wanted up fighting the guy that wound up shooting it from 15 feet away somehow, some way. So, Houston, they've got a really good set way of being able to get offensive rebounds there. They just are so good at being able to guard in the paint. It's not necessarily by its size. They actually have... More size now than ever before, with bringing in six foot eleven Josh Carlton from UConn. But I do think that this is going to be a team that is going to be able to continue to provide you with some value. Now you do want to know with Houston as well. One thing that, excuse me, one thing that does have me a little bit more tepid on this team is that they are rebounding about six, or they are shooting about sixty four point four percent at the free throw line out of three hundred and fifty eight D one teams. That is three hundred and thirty first. In all of college basketball so that no doubt is relatively brutal but it's a Houston team that I think is gonna be able to provide you some value moving forward but then when you take a look at the teams with the worst offensive rebound rates in all of college basketball you're gonna be surprised by what you find because out of the top six you've been able to find only one of them that actually has more unders and overs and typically you'd think a little bit more of the opposite because second and third chances means that you're going to be getting more shots up at a relatively rapid rate, but that hasn't been it here. When it comes to Minnesota, they are actually the team that is getting the worst offensive rebound rate in all of college basketball, which I think is absolutely hilarious because Minnesota has been a relatively good cover team. They've been one of the bigger surprises in all of college basketball. They rebound 13.3% of their misses. They're six and five to the over thus far this year, and they've been a relatively good cover team. Lipscum, they are eight and three to the over this year, so eight overs, three unders. They are rebounding 14.6 percent of their misses, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to take a look at this Lipscomb team moving forward because their top scorer, Asan Asadulla, he is someone that just does everything for the team. Like 16 points, eight rebounds, three plus assists per game. Guy is an absolute sat sheet suffer. He has been out of the fold for about half the games this season, and. You can tell that when he is off the floor, this is a lip scum team that is just absolutely putrid. So you want to be taking a look at that moving forward as well when it comes to the scene. But Montana, they play five overs and five unders. They rebound 15.9% of their missed shots. Vermont is really your lone outlier when it comes to these top six teams. They are four overs and seven unders. That's because this is a Vermont team that I literally think has played in the bottom 75 with guards possessions per game each out of the last six years. This team just slows things down to a crawl. They are rebounding 16.1% of their misses, which I do think is rather surprising. You've got a guy in Ryan Davis who is one of the better, I guess you call it more versatile, big men in all of college basketball, a guy that's able to give you 17.6 rebounds. So I was a little bit surprised to be able to find that out. No surprise that this team is on this list. Arkansas fine Bluff. They are getting 16.4% of their misses. Just a bottom 15 team in all of college basketball in general, but they have played on their 11 games, seven of them to the over, so they have been relatively solid with that aspect, and then the Valparaiso Crusaders, home of one of the worst beats that we've ever seen in college basketball with regards to that total. Their game against Charlotte, you wound up seeing it on Scott Van Pelt's bad beats about a week ago, that one game in which I think that you wound up having like the 3 quarter shot like blocked or it was like a missed offensive rebound. He gets away from 80 feet, it winds up finding the bottom of the bucket. That's why they're currently 6-5 and five to the over instead of 5-6, and six, but they're only grabbing an offensive rebound on 16.5% of their misses, and I think that that is just so intriguing that a lot of these teams, that they don't necessarily do a great job of being able to hit the offensive glass. They've actually been very good to the over. Now, you take a look at a lot of these teams when it comes to having a good offensive rebound rate, and it's been a little bit more of a mixed bag. You've got a team like in Arizona that's been very good to the over. Meanwhile, you take a look at a team like Baylor, and they have been absolutely superb to the under because Baylor just has one of the top defenses that we're finding in all of college basketball, so that's a little bit more of a case study with them, but these teams have been able to do a good job of being able to grab second and third chances. They have really been able to cover games for you. Obviously, when it comes to Kentucky, them being the lone team that is currently not profitable against the spread, I have a feeling that they're going to be able to do some big things out there in the SEC, and obviously, when it comes to the trends I wanted to throw out there, Do not wind blindly betting trends, but I do think that these are all stats that are very important to take into consideration because as I always say when it comes to college basketball, betting on college basketball when it comes to a game-by-game basis, every single one of these games is its own living, breathing entity should be counted as such, but when you're able to take a look at some of these key stats, some of these things that they do wind up swaying the tide a little bit. I do think that that can give you a good leg up when it comes to college basketball. Like I always say, it is the research that helps you be able to win bets. Hopefully, I was able to provide you with a little bit of that tonight. And coming up next, it will officially be midnight Pacific time out here on the West Coast. That'll make it in and out in NFL Sunday. And we're going hard and heavy on the NFL betting board starting next right here on v the Sports Betting Network.